0: so happy you're in the house of God. Are you glad to be here today? I don't know why you're here. Sometimes we come and we're celebrating something. Sometimes sorrow has driven us to the house of the Lord. But I know that when you meet the power of the living God, that everything changes. Um, Do you know it's not your circumstance that's the problem? It's your capacity that's the problem. David had a greater capacity than the giant. That's why David, David, built that capacity in the field in his loneliness, in his rejection in his own family, David built a capacity because he knew the voice of the Lord and he sang songs and he lifted his hands because God loves hands um, I'm Pastor Corey, Pastor Erin uh, is, is, she? she's working this morning she's in the kids, I should probably know that's where she would be um, And we are so glad that you're here we, we, uh, we started this church uh, about five years ago we're coming up on our Uh, 6th birthday, we're going to be a big boy church We're going to be a big boy church In a few weeks So January 29th is our 6th anniversary My great friend Pastor Jake and Mullen Is going to be here from home church Um, They have like 50,000 churches everywhere Um, But he's probably one of my closest friends In ministry right now He's going to be here to bless you So invite somebody to that Just be like, hey we're having a birthday party You want to come to a birthday party? And uh, they'll come, trick them, lie to them, get them to church However you have to um, can I say, if you're new to church, uh, this is what we do. You're wondering if I'm joking about lying to get somebody to church. I'm totally not. Um, get them here, ask for forgiveness, and uh, let God do the rest. Hey, um, our heart for the house totals. We did. Um, I, I put out some needs uh, to you, the congregation. Our house for the heart for the house totals of like putting investment in the house of god listen one day you're gonna have to withdraw an investment from the house of the lord i hope that you've invested in the house of the lord i'm so proud of you uh today we've uh, raised uh, over hundred and three thousand dollars. thank you so much for your generosity this is like above and beyond giving our tenth to the lord thank you so much we have a new sound system on its way it should be here in 2027 or whenever the world figures that up and uh Hopefully not. And uh, we have new chairs coming. And the problem is because um, you keep inviting your friends. Scott didn't order enough chairs. Whatever. We can get more. Um, Small groups kick off this week. So go to the brick wall. Literally talk to anybody. You're going to be asked by venue church people eight times before you get out the door. You'd better get asked by venue church people eight times before you get out the door. Are you in a small group? Come in my small group. They will try to steal you from other small groups. We care enough to be competitive uh, here. (laughs) We care enough to be competitive. You like what I did there? We're just competitive. So I'm just going to normalize that. Um, And also, we have 21 days of parent fasting starting tomorrow that will end uh, when Pastor Jacob is here to celebrate our sixth birthday. And so um, go to the website. I did a teaching at First Wednesday. Um, Who's at First Wednesday? Was that a good word? So I did a teaching at First Wednesday about the three layers of body, soul, and spirit, which you are three. Parts, body, soul, and spirit. You're not the you're not the Trinity. Your wife already knows that. Body, soul, and spirit. (laughs) If you don't know what the Trinity is, by the way, we have lots of people. Most people that I meet here have never been to church before. So, a lot of people, that's their story. And so, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Spirit. It was an inside church joke. Now I have to explain it and eat up valuable sermon time. Um, But you are three parts. You're a body, soul, and spirit. A fast needs to be in three parts. Then I think you got to deny your body. You got to tell your soul that your spirit is gonna talk to it instead of your soul, your mind, will, and emotions informing your spirit. Your spirit needs to inform your soul and tell it what to do. And then you're going to add spiritual disciplines to your life as well. I would just recommend just watching that uh, or watching it again. And you need to give up at least three things uh, in those three areas of your life. Some of us are gonna do more than that because we want to see what the power of God could do uh, in our neighborhoods and in our streets and in our own homes. Some of you just need victory in something, and so let's go get that. All right, um, this sermon series is called Do Hard Things. Thank you, Sean. Um, Do Hard Things. I have three parts of this that I'm going to be talking about. Um, You know, my my, uh, my grandma on my mom's side brought her car to my dad's house when I was young. Um, I'm trying to think how old I would have been. I don't really know. I'm like a goldfish, everybody. I just can't remember stuff, so... Um, but my my grandma lived on the farm, and she brought her her car that she'd been driving on gravel roads um, for like probably like since she got the car. It had about an inch of mud on it. I remember when it showed up at my at our house uh, where we used to live when I was a kid and my dad sent uh, my brother and I out with a hose and a sponge to clean this car off now, I know some of you are like you're so old there was." weren't car washes. I'm like, no, my dad was an old Testament dad. And so he, um, he wanted two things. He wanted uh, me to do something and he wanted the car to get clean. And I remember that by the time I was done cleaning it now, you have to imagine and like an inch of mud on a car with a hose and a sponge and like no soap and no pressure washing anything. I went over that entire car. And by the time I was done, it was so streaked with mud. It probably looked worse than it did when it was just It was just like the mud option when she bought it, you know, like I want the outside to be like kind of matte brown with a bunch of lumps in it. And, um, and my dad, I remember my dad saying something to me at, at the time. And I remember not like loving him for it because he, he walks out and he looks at the car and this is what my dad said. He goes, well, that looks terrible. He goes, I can't send her home in that car. Like what? Today, that's called abuse. Back then, we used to call it the truth. I remember looking at that car thinking, like, it does look pretty bad. For us to wreck the work of the enemy that he's been up to in your life and in the lives of our children and the next generation. For us to wreck the work of the enemy, we have got to stop playing defense. We've got to start learning how to do hard things. Um, I'm gonna be talking uh, in this sermon series about the life of Joseph. If you grew up in Sunday school, you know that Joseph went to Egypt. Um, Joseph, the son of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Joseph was one of the younger sons of of Jacob. And um, Joseph's dad, Jacob, kind of one of the fathers of Israel, God actually changed his name to Israel. He didn't raise Joseph that well. He got, he got some things wrong with Joseph because he didn't raise him right at the start because Joseph was the favorite. So anybody here have a favorite kid? You know, you do during kids ministries. They can't see you. I tell all my kids all the time. I'm like, you're my favorite. Don't tell the others. They're like, I know. Um, It's the early service. You guys got to help me preach a little bit here. You got to laugh at all my jokes. I'll just keep telling more jokes. I'll just come up with them on the spot. They get worse. Um, Joseph, um, he was the little brother. So Joseph didn't have to take out the trash because his arms were... Come on, Lane, you know what I'm talking about. Where's Jesse? He couldn't take out the trash because his arms were too tired. He couldn't walk by himself. Dad had to carry him because his legs got tired when he was walking. He could stay up, you know... Ryan could stay up later than Corey because, you know when he was in high school and we had rules when I was in high school and Ryan could stay in bed while I did his paper out and got frostbite on my hands because his little fingers would get cold. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working it out. I'm working this summer out. I have a little brother named Ryan. I was thinking about this. So Jacob didn't do Joseph any favors by making him the favorite and by treating him different than he treated all his other kids. And he did. And um, Jacob's life was hard. Catch this. Just catch this. Jacob's life was very hard. Read through the scriptures this week. It was so hard. But he did a disservice to Joseph by making his life easy you can't do somebody else's hard things for them it'll only make you stronger it won't make them stronger here is um um here's what joseph's resume so even if you started wrong not just in your home but in your life and how you think about hard things even if you started wrong this is what joseph's resume ended up as okay in the early days it was like got up late didn't do chores watched everybody else work tattletaled on my brothers you know By the time he was done, Joseph's resume was saved my entire family line from starvation, saved all of Egypt from starvation, saved the nations around Egypt from starvation in a seven year famine with no social programs, no food banks, no bailouts, no, just like people got hungry and died. Joseph was the one that God decided to use, but God couldn't use Joseph back here and no thanks to Jacob. God had to take him on a path. Now, um, he became great not in Jacob's home, but in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. I think some of you are in a job that you feel is like a prison for a crime you didn't commit. <laughs> you can spend all your time complaining about it, or you can be like, oh, maybe I'm Joseph. Maybe there's something that God's up to. Here's my, uh, here's my quote for the series. Are you, are you ready? Um, uh, G. Michael Hopf from the U.S. Marine Corps said this, hard times create strong men. You can throw women in there if you want to. It's not my quote. (laughs) Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. We are in this stage right now, and we have been for a generation, of good times. Guess what kind of men we have now? Guess what the generations look like now? We've created weak generations. My, we're just in this, that's the stage in life cycle of Canada right now. I'm going to talk a little bit about my grandfather and my father. Can I do this? Can I talk about this cycle? Because we actually have an option here that we don't have to put up with, but the solution is going to surprise you. I just said that so you'd have to listen right to the end of the sermon. Now, listen, there are some things that stress, stress out the younger generations now that wouldn't even have registered on my grandmother's... I'm thinking of my, my dad's mom. I mean, she was a bit crazy, but I'll tell you, she was a, she was a tough old bird. And I remember some of the things that I see people are stressed out about now, like, oh my goodness, so nobody treated me. Somebody said this. Somebody, just, somebody said that the car looked crappy when I was finished washing it. Somebody had the nerve to, somebody didn't wave at me. Somebody didn't smile at me. Somebody, I'm like, my grandma's stressometer, it wouldn't even register on there. She didn't even have time to worry about some of the things that we have to worry about because life has been so soft for 10 or 20 years right now. Um, my grandma would have chewed up and spit out the following four ideologies that are in society right now. They wouldn't even have made it to the door dressed like that. They'd be like, you get back in the house. That is not how we are sending you out into the world. Dressed like that. Here's, I'm, I'm gonna unburden my soul. You know what's been coming. I'm gonna get like, you are not going out dressed and stupid. Watch this. It is now a hate crime to disagree with somebody. You know what they're telling you? You're too immature to love me and disagree with my choices. Tell me my choices are right or you don't love me. It's a three-year-old in a grocery store hauling for popsicles, everybody. Give me popsicles. No, until you can pay the dentist. Eat as many popsicles as you want when you move out of the house. It's like, I can't possibly love you And disagree with your choices at the same time. I can't possibly because I'm an idiot. Jesus couldn't possibly love somebody and disagree with you. You couldn't possibly love somebody who's going to get hit by a car and actually help them avoid it. Um, Here's number two. It's going to get worse. I'll see which one of these sermons I put online. Here's the next one. It wasn't a choice. I was born like this. No, sweetheart. Green hair is a choice. <laughs> Nobody's born with green hair. Well, the thing was there and I just felt a compulsion and then I put it in my hair and I was, this must be the way that I was born. Now, I'm oversimplifying for a reason. I was born... You never made any sexual choices in your life? Well, they're not choices. I don't know about you, y'all, but I started making choices really young. Really bad choices. I demanded discipline. You think your kids are tough to raise. You need, somebody needs to talk to Pastor Beth, and my, my mom, about raising kids. You think your kid is tough. I'm like, I'm, I pushed my parents to the limits. That was my job. I made them, dis- I demanded discipline. I demanded like, I threw a baseball bat at my brother one time. I didn't try to hit him. I was just trying to scare him a little bit. And I did stuff, man, I had. And now I'm your pastor. Hey, you get those crazy kids right, and they'll do stuff, I'm telling you. Somebody hurt me. That's why I didn't stop for their grandma at the crosswalk. Oh, the stuff we do now because somebody hurt us. Now we're no longer responsible for our response. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I'm, I'm, oversimpl- I'm making this ridiculous, but I'm like, oh, I act like an idiot because somebody hurt me. Well, you make choices. You don't have to act like that. Jesus didn't act like an idiot because somebody treated him. I'm just thinking. I'm like a goldfish ever. There was a grandma crossing the crosswalk one time. Aaron's uncle, um, Aaron's one uncle worked at a shop and they wired up the foreman. I think it was the foreman's truck. They wired up his horn to the brake (laughs) and he pulls up and somebody's grandma's crossing the crosswalk and he's just like... (laughs) And she just like, with a walker, just slowly just glaring at just all the way, the slowest. He said, I sat there for so long while she hated on me. If I knew how to do that, everybody, I'd be doing that to your cars right now if I knew how to do that. Here's another one. You can be whatever, whoever you want. Just identify however. Okay, so I want to play for Liverpool Football Club. You know, it's not my age or my lack of uh, complete lack of physical conditioning or any talent. That's not what's keeping me from it. You know what's keeping me from it is that you don't believe in me. Joe? Tell me I can. Yeah, there's only one Joe sitting right there, and it's you. Tell me I can do it. Believe in me. Tell me I can do it. Where's Nick? I probably could play for Liverpool right now. That's how bad we are right now. That's the funny part. Okay, here's another one. I don't tolerate intolerant people. Can I go with this? You know who the most intolerant people in the world are right now? The people who are calling everybody intolerant. Well, I thought that's your whole MO. Is that you're tolerant? I won't tolerate you, Shannon. If I perceive that you are intolerant, I will no longer tolerate that. It doesn't, this is logic. This is what we're walking out of the house clothed in, this thinking, this weakness, this crazy lack of results oriented. Do whatever you want and then have everybody tell you that it's great. It's like three-year-old psychology. It's ridiculous. It's going to end in hard times. It's going to lead to hard times. Christians are intolerant. Christians would die for you while they disagree with you. That's our ammo, And we're intolerant? It's unbelievable. Jesus was intolerant because he suggested somebody needed saving and died to do it? It's unbelievable. I think we have to push back a little bit. Not, not harsh and angry. I think we just have to like, we have working brains. Use them. Talk to people. Don't just sit there in silence and put up with this garbage. I don't in- tolerate intolerance. Well, that's intolerant. The whole thing is, it's ridiculous. It's upside down. I told you I was going to get you all mad. I'm thinking, you know, like, WWGD. Like, what would grandma do? <laughs> my grandma, on my dad's side, man, she would, she would speak her mind. And I'm just thinking, like, what would she do about all this? Well, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. My grandfather was a hard man he grew up in what is now the Ukraine in the midst of uh, Dutch Mennonites, pacifists, in the midst of Russian civil wars. And so when he came to Canada, he had $12 in his pocket, didn't speak the language, and he was 18. And I get stressed out when they run out of oat milk (laughs) at Starbucks. You know, oat milk can go bad. I didn't know that until I drank a whole bunch, and I'm like, man, this coffee. <laughs> That's on me. I should have checked it. Um, my, he didn't talk about where they came from and the hardness of life one time. It, the famine was so bad, his brother was sent out with a bag full of money, and all he could come back with was one rooster. And we talk about hard times. He comes here. He, uh, my grandfather, started Homestead, first generation Canadian Homestead and the the trouble is, my grandfather's health uh, was very, very bad. He was an extremely sickly man, probably because of the hardness of his life growing up. Um, there were stories that he wouldn't talk about this much because it was so hard you just don't want to remember. but his I think his, um, his, my aunts and uncles would say that maybe it was because he would you know they would come around to conscript into armies that he didn't want to be a part of. And so as a teenager, he'd have to spend the night in the woodpile, you know, in the winter. Just to escape. I mean, like this was their life. His, I think, his father had got himself a new pair of boots, and was sitting in his home. And soldiers came to the door and said, "Give me those boots." And he had so, had so he just had enough, and he finally said, "If you want the boots, then come take them." Because I'm just I'm, I can't. We're not. I'm not living in this world anymore. You know, I'm thinking the hardness of that generation, two generations in. My grandma. I don't know what she would think about some of the stuff that we're dealing with right now. Um, my dad is a hard man. Now you've met Pastor Richard. He's amazing. He is Old Testament. He has no idea what the drama is going on in the world right now. He doesn't care. Um, but he's a hard man. Well, my, his, his life growing up was hard because grandpa was sick. Grandpa would go and get feed in the morning and come back and and by the time he would come back He would be so sick sometimes he would fall out of the truck and crawl into the house and just lay wherever he could Because his body just gave out he couldn't do it anymore and then guess who got to go and unload the truck? Guess who got to go? Well, my father his next youngest brother was five years younger than he was by the time my dad was 12 He had a major role on the farm by the time he was 14. My dad said he said I could work with men all day and I could work as long as they could. Why? Because he had to or his brothers and sisters died in the winter, right? And I asked my dad one time, and this is why I love him. This is why you love him. I asked my dad one time, did you ever feel like you missed your childhood? And he goes, typical. He goes, nah, he says, I like working. (laughs) Now, how do you beat down a guy like that? I like working. Was it hard? It was what it was. I like working. If he wanted to go play baseball, he had to ride his bike seven miles in each direction and he had to ride his bike, so which means he had to get up early and do chores and his bike didn't have any tires or a seat and it was uphill (laughs) both ways and there was six feet of snow. And that's just to play baseball. That's just to make it to baseball practice. My dad's a hard man. I don't mean a jerk. I don't mean not sensitive to the needs of people I mean he's hard and he's strong and he can do what the devil can't back him into a corner and run him down he's the kind of person you want praying for you in the, in the prayer corner because he's not going to he's not going to pick up on your fear and he's dealt with fear he's dealt with he's dealt with it my father's generation of strong people built this nation the baby boomers built this nation We're on the way to pulling it down. Um, But here's the problem. You ready? They made good times. And good times made weak people. They made good times because that's what strong people do. They made good times. They made a lot of the kids already in Gen X that I grew up in Their parents made good times for them and they became weak people. I'm looking at my life and I'm thinking, I didn't become, I think I'm like decently tough for a Canadian. And I'm like, what did my parents do that was different? Hard times make strong people. They grew up with hard times. I didn't have to go through the hard times that they went through. But what did they do that was different? I was thinking when we were young, both of my parents were very successful in their careers, new house, new car, new boat, all the things that you want. And they're like, I don't know, like this life seems kind of empty. So they started seeking God in a whole fresh way. And they'd grown up in church, but not really engaged. And so they're like, we we should, we have to do something different. Like this is this all that there is? They moved to Pasadena, California, without a green card, so they couldn't work there. So they used up all their savings to go and just serve in a church served for a missions organization. Three years of our family life, they took us out of the comfort and moved into a place that they couldn't Google ahead of time. No Google maps. My mom one time, eight lanes of traffic one way, they never had traffic. Traffic was like another car at the crosswalk. you know? Like a town of 500 people, that's traffic. Eight lanes of traffic in one direction. My mom one time drove down, she didn't know this, she drove down into the hood. Because she needed to find a, a post office. She drives down into the hood. Now she's Canadian and she doesn't know. And this truck driver gets out of the car. And he's like, little white lady, what are you doing in the hood? What are you doing down here, white lady? Get in your car and follow my truck out of here. And he looks in the back seat. He's like, you got your kids here? What is wrong with you? Los Angeles, man. Like... They learned how to do hard things. They didn't have to. It's voluntary. When you grow up in hard times, you have to be strong to make it. When you grow up in softer times, you have to volunteer to be strong. They they volunteered for something hard and they volunteered their boys for it too. That takes some doing. What do we do as a church? Everybody, we're going to be six years old. What do we do as a church? In the early days, times were hard because, you know, church is like starting a small business where everybody comes and actually pays you to work for you. And the devil's trying to murder everybody at the same time. So that's what it's like. It's hard. Hard times created a strong church. Will a strong church create soft times for the next group coming in? Will a strong church create good times to make weak people and hand everything to everybody? Nobody handed this to us. We had to work for it. I mean, the spirit of God was upon us, but man, we had to go and bear a cross and we had to fight for it and pay for it and bleed for it. How do I lead? How do I lead my small group? Because we can't raise strong. Weak people have issues and issues and issues. Strong people on their capacity. Overcome issues and overcome giants. They have a problem on Monday and by Wednesday, they're back in the saddle and ready to go. Some of us have problems Monday and three years later, we're still got the same problem because it's a capacity issue because we're not strong in our faith and we're not strong in the inside and we don't hang out with strong people. We hang out with people that pity us, but we don't hang out with people that are like, okay, yeah, I know. Like Jesus, it says he reached out his hand and picked up, grabbed the hand of the lame man and said, okay, rise and walk. Pity's like, you poor thing. Let's keep you there. Compassion is like, let's go. You've got a life to live ahead of you. You can do this. Here's what we do. We raise a hard generation next. And we need your help to do it. First thing we do is we do hard things. The second thing is we expect them to do hard things. I mean, some of us will spend an hour tomorrow in the lunchroom complaining about the silly decisions that we're seeing in society right now and the government decisions or whatever. We're going to sit there and complain about it, but we will not invest 10 minutes in venue kids or in youth. When if we don't get them right and we don't teach them how to do hard things and we don't bring some strength up in them, we'll complain about it and we'll live in the same cycle. Because soft times are going to create weak men and weak men are going to create really hard times. And we're going to sit there and complain about the hard times. You know what we could do instead is raise up a strong generation who can deal with the hard times. (laughs) I have every hope in the next generation. I have every hope because we're not going to be easy on them. Not here. Not to accuse you of being judgmental, but when Arwen drove back from Minneapolis in that cold snap. I had a plane ticket booked on, this is before Christmas, I had a plane ticket booked on Wednesday. All the airports were closed, I couldn't get out. And she drove, she had car troubles on Wednesday in Minneapolis, she drove Thursday and Friday home from Minneapolis in minus 30 plus weather, hit the ditch in Bassano, got towed out by Frank. (laughs) And some of you were like, oh you horrible monster, I know what you were thinking. You horrible monster for making him do that. I'm like, I shared in that suffering. I Google tracked her every mile of that. It was exhausting. I personally would have rather driven backwards or even walked that distance than watch her do that. That was hard on her parents. And it was hard on her, but she did something that I think some adults couldn't do because they just pull over and die. start your car to keep it warm for a little bit. And I'm like, I'm just going to die. This is emotionally, this is too much. She did it. I'm proud of her for doing that. You know what? I'm proud of her for doing that. I'm like, good job. And the funny thing is when I was a kid, we'd do stupid crap like that all the time. I drove to Winnipeg and it was minus 65 with a windshield. My car was like, this is not a thing. And I'm like, it's a thing. And it just, you know, when you have like a rattle on your lung, that's what happened to that car. I had to sell it. I'm just like, there's this thing that's like, Do hard things. Do- we, we, what's rewarded is repeated. Great job doing hard things. You know what kids don't want? Great job for getting out of bed and eating my food. Great job. <laughs> kids know that, really? I didn't. Don't reward somebody for not doing anything, but give them a reward if they do something. Um, you know, my girls are not going to, I mean, would, would, you, would you guys bring soft men home? Like, you know, like dating wise? <laughs> Some of these guys I see out there now, like no offense guys, but like, they're dating somebody and they get a call like, oh you, I can't even. My boss, oh my goodness. I, my kids are gonna be like, I can't bring that home to grandpa. <laughs> Grandpa's gonna chew that guy up and spit him out. So how many full-time jobs do you have? Well, I kind of work on Tuesdays. What? <laughs> and you're complaining about that? Who pays for you? You know. Man, train your kids like, hey, I want my girls to marry men, not little, not teenagers. I want them to like disagree with my kids and be like, you can't live like that. You can't walk around here with that attitude. Let's honor the Lord. I want like toughness. I want to like speak the truth, man. Like, listen, grade six graduation is not a graduation. (laughs) Say amen, venue church. You are legally moving to the next grade like you have to. It's illegal not to. It's cute, I wrote a blog about it one time and all these haters came out like, you hate your kids, you're a horrible monster. I'm like, is it a thing though? I still want, I don't know if it's a thing. Like, it's cute, I went. Okay. Um, Jacob tried to soften Joseph's life and it nearly cost Jacob his entire family treat, ready? Genesis 32, Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age and he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. When his brothers realized that their father loved him more than them, they grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. So, so it says his father loved him more than them. There's different types of love. And this love here... This kind of love caused Joseph's brothers to hate him. So I'm like, this is an immature kind of love. And we got so much of this in society now. He didn't really love him. If you love him, the, the word of God says, if you spare discipline for your son, you hate your son. So jo- Jacob's like, I love my son. I'm going to spare him all of these things. And God's like, well, no, it's just immature, right? So just follow me. Because if you really love your kids, your brothers aren't going to hate them. Um, listen, don't buy your kids too much at Christmas. They'll think Christmas is about them. It's not their birthday. Don't take them on elaborate vacations when they're four. What's their husband going to do when they have no money? Camping's not fun anymore when you've been to everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, let them work for it. We took our kids to Disney, but man, they had to grow up first because that trip cost me money. But if I'd have done that when they were four, I wouldn't, I wouldn't own a house right now. Because every year it'd be like, we want to go to Disney, man. We're not camping. We're not going. Don't pay for everything. Jacob committed a sin against his son because he made it easier than it was for his brothers. He expected less. Joseph had a dream when he told it to his brothers. They hated him even more. He said, listen to this dream I had. It's funny. A lot of people are like, dream, dream, dream. I'm like, the dream from God is never about you. Watch this. Listen to this dream I had. We were all in the field gathering bundles of wheat. All of a sudden, my bundle stood straight up. Your bundle circled around it and bowed down to me. Now, this is actually an accurate dream from the Lord. His brother said, you're going to rule us. You're going to boss us around. And they hated him even more because of his dreams, because of the dreams and the way he talked. Because he was soft and he was selfish and he thought that the dream was about his ascendancy. The dream is never about your ascendancy. It's about you going down into the mud. It's about the anointing of God coming on your life to go down in the mud and save somebody. It's about you serving a nation. It's about you. His brothers went off to Shechem. His father said, I want, I want you to go to them. Joseph said, I'm ready. Basically, I'm not doing anything. I got nothing but th- I've been watching this interesting TV show, but let's go. A man met him as he was wandering through the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? Younger brothers, man, like, they never know where they are. They're lost. They're wandering in a field. I'm trying to find my brothers. Do you have any idea? (laughs) Do you know where they might be? The man said, they've left here, but I overheard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph took off, tracked his brothers down, and found them in Dothan. They spotted him off in the distance. Watch this. By the time he got to them, they had cooked up a plot to kill him. Now, I don't want to read too much theology in here but can I just say like how long does it take to walk across one field and little brothers they don't walk fast enough that's the problem my dad you could not cook up a a plot to kill my father my dad walked fast and when I was a kid you had to run to keep up when my dad said like hey we're going now that meant I'm walking from here to the car and if you want to ride you'll be there when I get there that's what it meant my dad, you, you, couldn't, you didn't have time to cook an egg by the time my dad walked across the field, let alone come up with an elaborate plan to kill him. That's just for free, it's just how my mind works. His brothers were saying, here comes that dreamer, let's kill him and throw him into one of these old cisterns. We can say a vicious animal ate him up. We'll see what his dreams amount to. When they reached his brothers, they ripped off the fancy cloak, they ripped off all the giftedness and entitlement, grabbed him and threw him into a cistern. And then they sat down to eat their supper. Ooh, that's not good. When you don't have a relationship with people because you're arrogant, that's not good. I know I'm spinning this in a different way than Sunday school taught you, but I think this is probably more accurate. Your gift can separate you from the very people God called you to save. It's not supposed to. Looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites on their way from Gilead. Judah said, Hey, we probably shouldn't kill our brother. Let's sell him. Because that seemed like the good thing to do. Okay, his brothers weren't great either, let's be honest. By that time, the Midianite traders were passing by. Come on up, worship. His brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph with them down to Egypt. In Egypt, the Midianites sold Joseph to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, manager of his household affairs. Plug in quick, because I'm going to be in a hurry. Maybe, I'll I'll stretch it out. There is no way in the world Joseph would have volunteered for this because his path got real hard. His cross was heavy to bear. I'm going to pick up the story next week. You're going to see he got thrown in jail for something that he didn't even do. Here's what, here's just my thought about this today. Joseph wouldn't have volunteered for hard times. Nobody does. God had to stir up opposition in his own home get him where he wanted him because jacob wouldn't ready make it hard artificially for him he wasn't going to get the training in jacob's home so god had to take him out some of you grew up in soft christian life and you had everything handed to you And you don't know how to talk to your neighbor about the gospel because you've never really suffered like they have. God can't. If Jacob won't train you, God will train you another way. God doesn't cause it, but he'll use it. How else was God going to get Joseph to Egypt? How else was he going to get him to Egypt so that he could turn around and save his entire family? How else was he going to do it? How else was God going to get you to the place of your boot camp that you're in right now? How else would he have done it if he couldn't have used the pain to get you there? Stop wishing the pain would go away. The pain is the path to greatness. The pain is the training ground for the throne. Your destiny might be in the place of your captivity. Stop wishing you were someplace else. God has you there for a reason and God's going to use you. I want the enemy to be afraid of you when you walk into the room. So how do we do this, Pastor? There's a lot of things I could say. Here's what I would say. We're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm going to create artificial pain for myself. I'm going to starve myself of some things that I love. My spirit's going to get stronger. My soul's going to get weaker because I'm going to make it hard on myself. I'm volunteering to do it. Would you volunteer to do it? Would you volunteer to put your family on some form of fast and honor the Lord to break the bonds of wickedness to increase the anointing of God in your home? Would you do something drastic or would you wait until their life gets hard in the next generation because of our current decision making? Would you wait for them to enter soft into hard times when they will be ill prepared for it or would you make it hard on them right now?